and it was really fueled from giving people an understanding of where they come from and understanding that knowledge is power. Welcome to another episode of Spotlight with Natalia Nicholson. Today we are talking to Natalia about her journey from a really impoverished background and to overcoming all the challenges that that presented her to being a entrepreneur and running multiple businesses. Natalia Nicholson, young girl, always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So around about the age of 14, like I used to bunk off school to come home on a Wednesday afternoon to watch Knox Landing. Yeah. <laughs> So I used to like Dennis D, Dallas, the Colby's, uh, <laughs> all those programs. And in my mind, I always said, I want to be successful. I want that um, level of wealth. I want to be able to look after my mum and dad. My mum and dad aren't born in this country. They come from the Caribbean. So I've always had an energy and drive that I knew that, okay, life is not going to be as it is as a child. I'm going to be someone great and I'm going to look after my family. So I think that was my drive. Yeah. And then at that time, I didn't have a sense of belonging. I didn't really understand who I was. So being born here in the UK, um, grew up in Peckham, Peckham in South East London. Peckham, what about? <laughs> um, Camberwell. Okay. SE5. <laughs> I used to drink in the Peckham Rye very regularly. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And believe it or not, there is a pub called the Nags Head. Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's which, is near, which, is, which is near the Peckham, Peckham well, you know. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, no Peckham really well. Imagine growing up in an area where everybody pretty much looks like you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then we moved to Croydon where nobody, nobody looks, looks like, like you. Yeah, everyone's white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember going to school and people would say, oh, your hair feels like cotton wool. So instantly, I now know there's something different about me. Yeah. And this is around about the age of eight or nine, whereas before living in Peckham, I just felt like that was normal yeah. life, if that makes any yeah. sense. So after moving to Croydon, you know, my mum would pick me up from school and one's a different tone of complexion to me. They'd be like, oh, is that the nanny? <laughs> it just, colour became really aware to me. Yeah. I was living in a world where as a child, it's funny, you don't notice colour, but experiences and things will start happening to you where you then start noticing colour. You're not born with it. It's not actually something you're aware of. You are made aware you of it made in this world. Um, and the 80s are very different to what they are today. So again, I went on a search of understanding, well, who am I? So I start the library, as you do. <laughs> so I go into the library and then all I'm reading about is slavery. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, this doesn't make sense because what happened in the world before slavery? There's no education around it. But in that time, I started reading a lot of biographies. So one of my biggest life-changing moments was actually Harriet Tubman. When I read her biography and I read what she went through, and once you get through how horrific the experience that she had in terms of being beaten, being owned, being raped, but then managed to slave, hunt, save hundreds and hundreds of slaves through the railway system, that's when it clicked to me. I can do anything. Yeah. If someone like that, that's meant to one of my ancestors, can go through that, that means that in this world that I live in, where I'm not subjected to that, I can do anything. And I think that's where that tenacity come from with understanding that it doesn't matter about failure because I can do this. Yeah. So I owe a lot to Harriet Tubman. That, that was the person that really inspired me to understand that whatever I want to achieve, I can. And again, even at that age, there were a lot of knocks, um, went through school. I was the kid that fell through the cracks. So I was the good kid that never used to say anything. I was the cracks at school. <laughs> I was the cracks at school, me. No, I was the good kid. Um, you know, didn't have many friends, went unnoticed, and it's really easy. So because I was so good, I always used to get good grades, but it wasn't really because of the work that I did, as nuts as that might sound. I was the good kid, especially in that time where either the really bad kids would get a lot of the attention 
or the good kids would be helped to be excelled. So fell through the cracks. Uh, managed to scrape past my GCSE, didn't understand why. I remember the day my results came, they were all D's and E's. I cried for about three days. Like, I remember my mum just saying, it's okay, you know, it doesn't matter. It was so disappointing me. That was my first experience of true disappointment because I'd worked so hard. Um, they let me do my A-levels and retake my GCSEs and then it came to light that I was dyslexic. Ah, join the club. <laughs> Isn't it such a great thing it's for entrepreneurs? <laughs> yeah. It allows us to look at things differently. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But at that time, I didn't understand that. It just felt like, oh, another obstacle. After not understanding why I kept failing exams, and then finding out I was dyslexic. Now, the whole college university thing became a means to an end. Yeah. I just knew that I had to get it to get ahead. It wasn't about anything else. So I didn't enjoy the experience, but what is good about being in further and higher education, it taught me to communicate with different people. So being the yeah, person of colour, you tend to keep your thoughts to yourself because you're not almost allowed to be outspoken even now we speak about diversity and inclusion and there's a lot of elephants in the room and a lot of these big corporates don't actually really want to address the issue everyone wants to put a nice little bow on it yeah. and make it sound pretty and nice and not really talk about how people feel I so think yeah it's like i think that with the black lives matter like campaign that's happened recently um but i was really lucky as a kid you're right you're not born with prejudice around color it's it's bred into you it's just such a hard one um i think at the moment especially with a lot of the things that have happened in the press and being a black woman myself i don't think there's anything wrong if you want to be honest with you with not seeing color i think it's about having an understanding about the history of the race and i think that's what the media and people don't seem to want to talk about i don't know if that makes any sense if you look at any other race no other race went through what Black people no. went through on such a mass. And I think what I meant, I think what I meant by my point was, was like, my mates, I've got loads of, like, loads of mates of all races, all so yeah, all walks of life, and it made me realise, like Nef, Nef, Nay and uh, Dwayne in particular, it made me just think about e how how much more difficult it was for them at school, and when we because we were our mates at school, you didn't. You didn't think about it, but Dwayne in particular used to get some. I mean, you couldn't say you couldn't be called. Yeah, you couldn't be called those there, things. There's so many words that was now, used in the eighties and nineties that can't be used yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, <laughs> and they were actually considered the norm. Yeah, but, and, but then when you think about it now, I mean, you just you. I was remember I said to Dwayne, and I can't imagine what impact that would have had on you as a kid, even though it was. Even, even you couldn't do it. You couldn't even use any of the words now. But then it seemed that that was the acceptable thing to do. But yeah. it was trying to understand like what, how that has affected him as a child, and actually he'd had to grow up with that for 10, 15 years at school. Yeah, and so that's, really wrong. It, that's wrong. That's wrong. The irony happened. of it is, is that you don't know any different. So no. because you don't know any different, you actually don't feel like that because that's your world. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't know any other world like that, and it's really strange. I think when you. Um, come from a complete different culture. So living in the UK, you'd be one person at school and then walk through your door and be another person. So um, the culture here is a lot more relaxed with parenting. And that's what I found growing up. And I remember coming in thinking, yeah, I can tell my mum to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, didn't try that one again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the I... disciplining was completely different. So yeah. You tended to be one person yeah. when you was at school and another person when you walked through the door. Missing key with even all these topics that are coming up now. Because people don't know and understand the history, there's a complete lack of understanding. 
and in politics, the news, it's really funny how all the world powers will look to other countries and say, that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing that, we're stepping in. Hang on. (laughs) I think there needs to be some kind of transparency here over how, you know, all the different races even started, how we got into this situation, why we're having to combat all these social problems now. And I think if the history was there and the education was there, it would give everybody of all different colours a much better understanding. And we would just all live together in the right way. And I think until that happens, there's going to be a problem. So it was funny. That was the very reason why I started my first business, Passionaire. It was the very, very reason. I felt like there needed to be something that would educate people on understanding where they came from that wasn't just about history, that wasn't just about the great figures and what they fought for, um, Martin Luther King. Yes, that's a part of it and it's important, but you need to understand there are books and there is knowledge out there that will fill the gaps so you can understand our race from the beginning. It just, the world didn't open up (laughs) with, you know, these people that were just enslaved in the millions, Um, literally. It's one of the the biggest world tragedies. There's no other um, movement, race that went through something like that on a mass, if that makes any sense. So that was my drive. I felt that if people of colour knew where they were coming from, and this isn't just a black thing, it's a black thing, a brown thing, an immigration thing. It isn't actually just a colour thing. Remember, people move around the world, people have interracial relationships. So we now live in a world where I'm a huge melting pot of different na- yeah, nationalities. Same nationalities. As me. Same as me. <laughs> um, to be yeah. fair. So Passionette was born, so I thought I'm going to be the next multicultural Amazon. Perfect. That's the attitude I started with. I don't know what it is about people from diverse backgrounds, why we are taught that you've got to work twice as hard. It's something that just seems to be ingrained with you. Well, because of the colour of your skin or because you're different or because you're diverse, you're going to have to work harder than everyone else. I totally disagree. You're going to have to work smarter and be more strategic. The younger generation as well, it's about teaching them that all those things are okay. I think number one at school, I didn't have the confidence or the voice to do something like that. So all of this is self-talk going on in my head. And as well, coming from a household where everything is education, education. We all know the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I want every kid to read that book, to understand that there's different ways in life to build an income and make something of yourself. It doesn't have to be that you've got to study, get a good job, get a mortgage and then just be, you know, imprisoned to debt for the rest of your life because that's the reality of what it is. Because that's the way that we're told to do it. Yeah, and it's okay for some people. Everybody's got a different path in life, but it's just about having options and it's really funny. I'm so talkative now. Um, You know, people meet me and say, oh my gosh, you're really, really confident. I wasn't like that as a child. I was the child where all the self-talk was going on because I didn't feel confident enough to be able to do something because at that time in my life, I didn't have that self-belief because my primary thing of getting through school, growing up and getting to where I want to be is the fact that I'm different and I've got to work twice as hard. And those are the things that will tend to, they stay with you and they're some of the things that hold people back. And those are the people that I like working with today. I learn, I won't tell my children until they're older, but education is a means to an end. It means to an end. um, Is how I see it. And I think what you're taught and the curriculum that you are taught, it doesn't prepare you for any form of life skills. And actually what it does is it kind of gives you this blueprint and almost brainwashes you that anything that you read in a book that's printed must be true. Yeah. Even now, yeah. if my kids yeah. are curious, I say to them, go and investigate yeah, it. Google it. Go and find me. Even Google. <laughs> it's gone find. You know, if you look at, um, I can't remember the Netflix show, but if you look, there are servers, there are people yeah. that look at, watch what we search and depending on what you search and it's spat out, 
is based on that and based on a whole load of other things. So even that information isn't totally free. You need to go and do your look at case studies. You need Sources. to really yes. Yeah. I think in the terms of history, that's one of the things over the years that I really have investigated. And I'm gobsmacked at scholars, books that are published, that the studies that they did back then, they couldn't be further than the truth. No. And even if we want to take out all the heavy stuff right now, let's look at smoking. They used to tell us that was good for us. Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, the TV dinners in yeah. the 80s, oh, it's all convenient. Now it's giving us cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's not just about the topics about diversity and inclusion. If we look at the world that we live in today, just in terms of food and health, Let's even take it to more of a neutral subject. There are things that we've been taught for decades and decades that now all of a sudden, okay, no, you need to eat healthy. Now you've got to have your five a day. Don't smoke anymore. Yeah. So to for me to believe that no one knew this and it just all of a sudden came to light in the last decade. Does that make sense? Yeah, the, the, that's what I love about the digital age so much. Mm -hmm. That's what the digital age has done. For me, it's opened up possibilities. You can question things now. You can check things you've got the ability to really um, get information and look at it and analyze it. And even in terms of business, even just from an analytical point of view, I think my business took a huge turn when I really started looking at the analytics and understanding people and understanding the world through the data that yeah. is now available to you. That data wasn't available to you. Data can change your life, whether it's your mindset, whether it's your health, you know, whether it's eating correctly, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's diversity, yeah, yeah. whether it's inclusion, yeah. the list just goes on and on and on. And that to me is what's so beautiful about the digital age uh, come up now called the masses, privileged. And um, quite often I'll get asked, you know, what is meant by that? And it's almost like if you say it, you can get caught up in this white supremacy thing. It's not a white supremacy thing. It just so happens there's an image of a person, yeah. of a man, of a woman, yeah. and that image is the image that is played out most in all roles and situations. Hollywood films, yeah. Instagram, yeah. books, yeah. Google images, yeah. images full stop, images, stock images. Yeah. Yeah. All, of it. all of it. <laughs> it. It isn't personal to anything and anyone. And I think all diversity should be, there should just be inclusion and representation of everyone. I agree. And I think that's what's being lost with the Black Lives Matter. I don't know if you've seen a lot of posts that will say, every life matters. Every life does matter. You're totally right. Black lives matter isn't saying only black lives no. matter. It is every life that yeah. matters. So if every life matters, it doesn't matter whether you're beige, yellow, brown, dark brown, really dark brown. We should all be treated the same. Yeah. And we haven't been. And there's just changes that need to be made. It doesn't need to be uncomfortable. But I think some of the words, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it makes complete but sense. But it's just so weird what you just said about the DNA. That's the problem in the world. We're all made up differently and we all need things. Just like our car needs fuel, our body needs food, we need different things. And if you don't know who you are, yeah. how are you going to know what you need? I think being financially free means something different to everybody. It does, yeah. Um, and what I would say about that, so with my first business, Passionate, the online multicultural bookstore, I went bankrupt. Like I went to the court. The court told me I needed to have five hundred pounds to file bankruptcy. It's kind of like, well, if I'm bankrupt, why <laughs> I would I have five hundred pounds? Um, so I didn't actually end up filing, which was a blessing in disguise. But I think that experience of going from knowing what it feels like to have money. So after graduating, I was working at big media houses. I was on a good income for my background and my age. I had a little MG convertible. I thought I was the girl. Yeah, you were Yeah, you, you know, winning. I was shopping every week, going now. Yeah, flossing. You know, I thought definitely thought I was the girl. 
And at that time, there was loads of like 100% mortgages, 5% deposit down um, deals. So I actually bought my first property at 18 in New Cross in London, which is like a zone two area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that turned out to be a gem. From there, I actually remortgaged it, then bought another flat. So when I lost the business, I lost my whole property portfolio. Um, I had to move back home. And at that time, my mum and dad was going through financial difficulties. I remember the day that I'd put everything in storage, the bailiffs had come, closed everything down. I got back home, went to my old bedroom, which was the box room, and the ceiling fell down. <laughs> that day, I bawled. I cried. I just thought, what have I done? What did I ever do to anyone to deserve this? Um, and I think when that happened, that made me look at money differently. Um, I think when you come from a place where you haven't got money, as you know, you aspire a lot of materialism. And in that moment, materialism doesn't actually mean absolutely zilch, nothing. No. Um, helping people something that has always been within me. Um, I can honestly say all I ever want to do is rise other people up. I've never been that girl or that person that would hear something and think, oh, I wish that was me. I wasn't brought up like that. You know, my dad has always installed in me, if you do something, you do it from your heart. You don't do it for what you can get back in return. So that's been really ingrained with me. You know, even with my brother and sister, if I'm like, well, I did that for you. You'd always hear my dad say, right, get out, you're grounded. You know, if you did something for them, you shouldn't be bringing it up or asking them about it. It was a big thing. So that's something that really helped me in later life. So the whole becoming financially freedom if you want me to be honest with you, it's more around not having to be reliant yeah. on somebody for your income. It's not actually about the money or the materialism, especially coming from my background. You kind of get to a place where you feel like, I don't want to have to be, look what's happening in COVID. So COVID comes, all it takes now is to say, we can't have you anymore. All of a sudden you've it lost does. your wages. You can't afford your rent or your mortgage because you've been paid by someone. And the funny thing is, is that one of the things as humans we're most scared of is not being different. Everybody wants to be the key that fits in the hole. I always tell people I've been to know you want to be the key that's square, that doesn't fit yeah, in the hole peg, and stand the out. Peg, yeah. yeah, you want to be the square peg. Yeah. So being financially freedom, I think for a lot of people is about understanding money. I don't think it's something that it we're is. taught. It is about understanding money. And, and they need to teach that the, at school. Yeah, that, they do. That, what, that should be on the curriculum. And but there's people in their 30s that don't know, understand money. Uh, and it's like, my dad always used to say to me, <laughs> if you earn a pound and you spend a pound and 5p, you're going to be broke forever. Which that makes lots of sense, lad. Like, it does. Yeah, and, uh, we, were, we, were, we were schooled with that. As kids, but some people weren't. A lot of people have grown up credit, where they yeah credit or they see that if you get money, you're going to buy a flash car, you're going to have nice clothes, and very much my mum and dad definitely gave us a middle class life on credit. Yeah. I thank them for it, but at the same time, I knew as I got older and was following in that blueprint that this isn't the right way. If you can't afford something, don't buy it. But we live in a world now where credit is offered to you to buy a settee, a TV, See your house needs it. to look like something like yeah. Instagram. Yeah. There's this desire to want everything really quickly. So money isn't just about wealth. It's about how you obtain wealth. And I think one of the biggest downfalls that people have with money, and I definitely have with money, is Money's paper. It's Let's paper, really put yeah. this into perspective. If you look at a banknote, it says it's a promise to pay this amount of money. So all these superpowers have got money, but there's other places in the world that have got gold, diamonds, cattle. I'm just saying, 
it, you 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 have to try and understand that it's a means to an end. It's a commodity, yeah. just like anything else. And I think when you start thinking about money like that, you start having a very different relationship with it. And I think having money, then going through bankruptcy and having nothing like that, and having to, I think that was one of my hardest things I've been through in life. Like having to sit down and tell people that my business has failed, I've lost my properties. Oh, by the way, the £10,000 I owe you, I have no way of telling you how I'm going to give it back. I had £80,000 worth of just personal debt. Wow. So that wasn't banks or credit cards. This was money that I oh, borrowed people. off of people because that that addictive entrepreneurial yeah, drug yeah, yeah. that just gets to you yeah. and you're like, once I just get through this month, it's going to be better. It's going to come in. I'm going to make it back. I'm going to be a millionaire. Why, where do we get that from? This blueprint of all the media, of these stories that be like, yeah, this happened to me, and then boom, one day I just made it. No one tells you about the hard work and the duration that you need to go through. It doesn't happen overnight. It's something that you've got to work at. And if you had more of a longevity in it, you'd probably plan a lot better as well. There's so many different things. Even, you know, when I look back and I think about, you know, you've got to do a business plan. It's got to have the four Ps in it, a SWOT analysis, pest factors. There was never a plan for me. And all these plans that they tell you to write for your business, if you look, I'm so sad, I actually did the research. You do know that the people that wrote this structure of how you have a business I've plan. I've a business. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're for bank managers, they're for institutions, they're for funding departments. They are not for you to necessarily succeed at your business. It's really important that you've got a plan for you, a plan that if you fall off track, you can go back to it and say, right, this is where I need to get back on track. Earning... Oh, building wealth, it's a journey. Yeah. And that's what I mean by yeah. financial freedom. But financial freedom is important to me because it's about generational wealth. I think where I'm coming from, I think my aim is for me, my children, making a difference in the world, making sure that other people are wealthy. It's not about money per se. Money can be taken away. And I think one of the things, the greatest things about understanding financial freedom and being bankrupt I know that you can take everything I've got away from me. You know what? I've built it up once, I'll do, do it, it again, again, and I'll do it again and again and again yeah. because wealth is in my mind and what I've done. I just think about school, like some of the comments that used to get made when you got made fun of, like um, especially people from a lot of cultures about, you know, whether having big lips, a certain figure. And then now people are paying it's like thousands of pounds. Uh, it, it, it's so strange how it's things mad. come around. And one of the things that, um, I'm quite outspoken in that way. I I am proud to be yeah. black. That is one thing that I will say in a sense that when I look at my culture and in the day and age that we live in and I look at music, fashion, food, culture, it's like all these things that once upon a time you had the Windrush boats coming in and you had all the people coming in from Jamaica, so my mum and dad had come from, a lot of people coming in from Trinidad. And to think what they went through, even when they were shipping some of them back the other day yeah, yeah. because they didn't have their, pa um, their paperwork. And then you look at youth and pop culture, it's that culture. Yeah, it's all that culture. And it makes, it, that is one thing that I say I'm puffed up with pride about. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm yeah, makes, very, very proud um, of being black. And it's so funny, as a child, I would shy away from that and try to be something else. And it's just funny how the world works that it's just so strange for... The race that is has been suppressed so much to come out and still in terms of fashion, food, music, dance, and when we look at cultural studies, it's just always up there. Yeah, it's amazing. I just think it should be celebrated more. I decided to apply for NatWest back her business. 
So did the application, you know how it goes. You know, you do the application, yeah. you think, oh. Whatever, yeah. yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> what is that about us? That I don't this, <laughs> this way of life. If it happens, it happens. Uh, oh, if it doesn't, it's only like 15 minutes of my time yeah. and I'll move on to the next task. So filled the form application out. Um, it got approved. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, still, you know how it goes with the entrepreneurial thing. Haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. And you're, it's a constant role. So it's now going live on the 21st of October. And what we've done, we put a campaign together called Women in Digital Business. But it is for underrepresented backgrounds. And today, I've really, really, really enjoyed speaking to you. I just feel like this whole conversation just really shows people what underrepresented is. It's not a race thing. It's, it's not, not a colour thing. It is about a state of mind and not being a part of the masses. We're sitting here from two different cultures and had similar experiences and have been up un underrepresented. Our experiences at university were incredibly similar. Yeah. Um, and trying to fit in with this mould that you don't really feel comfortable with and it's not what you actually really... Um, it's not what you come from. You're just trying to fit in. So I think today's conversation was just a brilliant example of yeah. what underrepresented is. It isn't a race thing. I'm glad I finished it, but I think that's what the whole women in digital business is about. It's about to be able to raise that money so anybody that works with me to learn how to build a successful online business can have the money at the end of it, which is £10,000 to start or scale their business. Richard. Because that's the opportunity. There's, there's a lot of people out there that have got that magic. And yeah, I think yeah, you yeah, know yeah. the magic that I'm talking yeah, about. They've got I the really want to yeah. find women that this isn't just about a funding pot that just because you tick the boxes that you can get. It's about having that grit, that tenacity, that desire. Like one of my favourite books is actually Think Rich, Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that is all about being having a mastermind and when he talks about desire, that's the bit where I think, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm that person. And I get really like, I feel connected to him in the book. And it's about finding women that have got that burning deep desire that they know they're going to succeed. Just like how I felt at 14 when I thought, right, if Harry and Tubman can do this, I've got this because I haven't got nowhere near as much of adversity as she has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, can do this. It, it, it is about relatability though, isn't it? As well. Yeah, it's a strange one. I think some people, I've been through this. So when I say some people, I talk from experience here, not textbook. You're hit a barrier in entrepreneurialism where you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's the business model that you really need to look at. It's the deliverables. It's actually really looking at your business from more of a strategic point of view. And I did get to that stage where, you know, I even had my husband and people say, just give it up. You're not making any money. You're just going and going and going. Um, especially when I owe people the £80,000 and then I tried to go back to work. That didn't turn out too good for me. Um, I and I actually started a cleaning business and I remember everybody just telling me, just go back. If you just pay it off bit by bit, you know, the time you're 40, which is now, um, it will all be over. You can start again, you know, just give up. And there was a time where I went to go and work in a school part-time two days a week, just to keep them off my back. And the other three days I was still working on the business, but I wasn't being strategic because my mind wasn't clear. My mindset wasn't right. So for me, a lot of times when I work with people, there's two things I make them do. I've actually got a video about mindset. I make them sit down and watch it for two hours. Get your mind right. 
unless your mind is right in terms of desire, in terms of money, in terms of management, organisation, fulfilment, it just it's just going to be 50 times harder and you're going to want to give up anyway or give up. Then I make them do a whole two-day online course of understanding what digital marketing is, literally going through, okay, what is a brand, a personal brand, a business brand, you know, how do you build a website, what goes into a website, search engine optimization, sales funnels, how to build relationships, psychology meets technology, which is one of my favourite expressions, yeah, 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 yeah. because what the digital age is, is understanding, All of that. how do we make this connection you and I have made, but do that through hardware yeah. or software, the same way how Gary V was in your living room phone laptop and that became your friend, yeah. that is what you're creating online, so before we even started to work together, even on the mastermind, those are the two requirements that people have done, because it's like... It's like a boxing match. You've got to get ready. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go in and win, you've got yeah, to get ready. You do. Yeah, so I went through that stage where I went back to work two days a week. I was lost for a while in my journey. There was about a two-year period where I was just trying to appease people. I didn't have direction. I didn't have strategy. I just wanted it so bad that I just wanted it to happen. I wasn't thinking about the how. Um, and I was just trying the same thing and expecting a different result. So that woman, maybe she did need... Sometimes you do need yeah, yeah, to yeah. stop. You actually, you are yeah. totally right. Yeah. Sometimes you need to take a break and really look at it. So I've got a whole team. My team's actually based in the Philippines. Okay. So I've got like yeah, yeah, two yeah. social media managers, yeah, yeah, yeah. a Facebook manager. Yeah. yeah. And like we meet every Monday for team meetings. We meet every Friday for team meetings. Even this morning before meeting you, I'm on Slack typing away, Trello. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. so much technology that can connect people, but you're right. The last three, three and a half years, there was a time where I had people in Jamaica, um, content writers because they're on the British ink system you know that grammar thing where people just love to what is it with the whole there's a typo in your post why do people love to call that know. spelling errors and grammar grammar mistakes so much but being dislexic about it all yeah. my life it's like, yeah. It's like, yeah I know it's I can't morning. spell yeah. someone sent me something the you was missing out a journey. And I did think, oh, come on, yeah. just let me get my coffee. Yeah. And like you now, I, I love it when I make people feel like, um, uncomfortable. I'll just say, oh, well, excuse me, oh, I'm dyslexic. dyslexic. And they, you always get this, like, they, you can see they start feeling yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> and secretly I'm laughing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Richard Branson did a brilliant post on LinkedIn about telling people to get over themselves about this whole spelling thing. Because yeah. some people are stippler for it. But yeah, when I was managing people in the Caribbean, in Africa, the Philippines and all over, it was really tough. And there were times when things weren't going right on my journey. I'm an e-commerce seller, so you know how important mm. content and having mm. a team is. And when things wasn't going so right and I couldn't get a hold on what everybody was doing, it was down to my management skills, yeah. actually. Any good leader needs to be able to listen to their team and there needs to be a full flow of conversation. Even now with my seven-year-old, when I say, what's wrong, Nathaniel? <clears throat> Nathaniel, what's wrong? <clears throat> and I always say to him, Nathaniel, what have I told you? Always speak your mind, mummy. <laughs> and I'm like that with my team True. as well. Um, one head, two heads, three heads are better than four. If you're going to hold things back, you could be holding us back as a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. I think it's so, so, so important. I think in terms of being a great leader, you have to be a great listener as well as you are as a talker and a motivator. And, you know, having a team, especially when you've got a diverse team, people see things from different viewpoints. So even when we look at exercises like empathy mapping, which big corporates use, the more eyes you've got to look at it from a different perspective is going to give you a better outcome it's going to make you think outside the box it's going to make you challenge things i think one of the things of being an entrepreneur 
and anybody that is in business is really understanding who your audience is and thinking that you know your audience. And as I've gotten older, I think my thing for 2020, if you said like, what's the one thing you would say that you've learned the most? I'm stop making assumptions because sometimes you will make the wrong assumptions off of somebody's actions and it's incorrect yeah. and in general. It's all about communication. The more you communicate, the less assumptions you make. And life's just a lot more easier and peaceful. And in terms of business, you'll connect with your audience more if you just listen. So I think giving everybody the freedom and expression to talk in your team is a part of being a great leader. So that completes this episode of Spotlight With. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.